Instagram risks miners' privacy, Take Two on GDPR, and Verizon uncovers a disturbing new trend on PCI compliance. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. The Venn diagram of social media, children, and the exposure of personal data is still the stuff of nightmares for parents around the world. The recent news that miners setting up business accounts on Instagram are exposing their PII openly will certainly do nothing to allay these fears. With more, is ISMG's Managing Editor Security and Technology, Jeremy Kirk. In June, I wrote an in-depth story about how millions of Instagram users worldwide under 18 years old were exposing their email addresses, phone numbers, or both. The situation was uncovered by David Steer, who's a San Francisco area data scientist. He was investigating a different privacy issue in Instagram. The kids had converted their personal profiles to business profiles, which is a category Instagram introduced in 2016. The type of account is intended for people to market themselves or a business, but it also required people with business profiles to have at minimum an email address, phone number, or both available. On the surface, this makes sense. If you run a business, you want to be found. For business profiles, Instagram made available analytics tools that weren't available for personal accounts, but the implications weren't fully thought out. Those tools proved attractive to miners who converted their accounts even though they weren't businesses in order to see granular metrics on their posts. In another worrying privacy angle, all photographs are public as a requirement of a business profile. Although Instagram doesn't display a person's age, many miners self-identify and it was clear from their photos they were underage. Child safety experts I spoke to, including within the Australian government, said the situation was concerning given the potential for online grooming. Steer reported the situation to Instagram, but nothing happened. Instagram told me at the time that it was concerned about child safety, but didn't directly address the specifics. The child safety implications were startling. Finding minors was easy. Since all photographs were public, some minors had photos from family holidays or easily discernible information, such as where they went to school. Once a minor profile with a business account is found, it is possible to click a button within Instagram's mobile app and either email or send a text message to a child. The capability was so simple and astounding, I thought at first I'd overlooked some security control or was just interpreting the situation wrong. Could I really just start texting a random 14-year-old girl? There was no mistake. It seemed very wrong. In the months since I wrote the story, not much happened. Bloomberg wrote a story about it in late July. But there's now been a change on Instagram's end. On Friday, NBC News' Technology Investigation Unit published a thorough piece. Ahead of the story, however, Instagram quietly changed a privacy setting for business profiles. It allowed people to hide their contact information if they chose to. It's not uncommon for organizations to preempt a potentially negative story, although it's pure speculation on my part to suggest that's what happened here. Instagram changed the setting, but there's still a problem. This doesn't mean kids with their contact information that's currently exposed know about the change. The devil is in the user interface. Unless kids go digging through their settings, they're unlikely to make changes that would protect them from unwanted contact unless Instagram lets them know about the change. Steer has raised the issue with Ireland's Data Protection Commission, which has jurisdiction over Instagram's owner, Facebook. The DPC has been assessing the situation since July, and it says its work is continuing. 
Instagram's carelessness with business profiles and minors goes to the heart of the debate over the responsibilities of social media companies. This issue should have been either anticipated or quickly spotted after business profiles launched three years ago, and the fix, unfortunately, doesn't go far enough. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Last year, the EU's General Data Protection Regulation rewrote the rules of the data privacy and breach notification game when it went into full effect, and numerous organisations rushed to put an effective GDPR compliance programme in place. More recently, however, many have been revisiting their approaches. At the recent ISMG Cybersecurity Summit held in London, Executive Editor Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz, sat down with Polly Ralph, a barrister and solicitor at PricewaterhouseCoopers, or PwC as it's more commonly known. Matthew asked Polly what she's seeing, now 18 months on, from GDPR going into effect. Here's Polly. So what, what we're seeing in this space, um, since we last spoke a year ago at uh, the Cybersecurity Summit last October, um, is that organisations are still working on their GDPR projects, um, despite the fact we're 18 months after go-live date. And what we're seeing, um, Matthew, is that many organisations are taking a second look at the, the effort, the time, the resource that they put into their GDPR efforts. And they're doing that either proactively or as a result of a, a data breach that they've suffered. But what's interesting about the second look is that they are they're not so focused on the paper layers, you know, they're not so focused on have we got the right policies or the right data flow maps or the right Article 30 registers in place. They're actually looking underneath. They're looking at the data and the technology layer of the organisation and working out whether they've addressed risk in a meaningful way. So it's super interesting stuff. Industries, are you seeing efforts to do this across all industries, yeah. larger, smaller organizations? Yeah. Who's where they need to be right now, do yeah. you think? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Typically, you know, the, the financial services part of, of the sort of the spectrum have always been the first movers with big projects of this kind. But what we're seeing is the, the heavily consumer-facing organizations, so retail, entertainment, technology, they're the ones saying, right, we've got huge amounts of consumer data here, and also we've got huge risk. Huge risk in part because the ICO's not been quiet, perhaps, about who they look at in terms of who's holding data, how they're holding it. Yeah, exactly. And I think also, the ICO is, as you'd expect from a data protection regulator, heavily focused on harm, what's harmful for individuals. And naturally, that consumer data um, often gives us a sense of what, you know, what, what, what harm could arise as a result of misuse or uh, unauthorised access or loss. So it seems risky, at least from the outside, because there is so much of that personal data there. Exactly, exactly that. So organisations are stopping, reviewing where they've come from, where yeah. they need to go. Now yeah. is a good time to be doing that. Yeah, now is a good time to give um, pause for thought, really. I think in the run-up to May 18, there was a huge amount of pressure. There were some really um, quite big decisions made in the context of these GDPR programmes and made in a little bit of a vacuum in the sense that many organisations didn't know where regulators were going to focus. They didn't know what the priorities were going to be. So they've got 18 months' worth of that knowledge now. They're in the live environment. They can see and feel what it's like. And so it's a good time to stop and pause and re-look. 
The 2019 Verizon Payments Security Report came out this week. It's been an annual publication for nearly a decade, so it has some solid data on PCI data security standard compliance trends over the years. However, this year points to a worrying downward turn in companies that are maintaining the standard beyond the assessment date. The survey of more than 300 organisations in over 60 countries found that PCI DSS interim validation compliance dropped to 37% in 2018, from a peak of 55% in 2016. I spoke with Verizon's Rodolfo Simonetti, who contributed to the report, to ask him why he thinks this is. Here's his response. Maintaining compliance is challenging because it means that we stay compliance 365 days a year. This is what we need to do to mitigate the risk and avoid a breach. But we still have to uh, remember and understand that those days, most companies are PCI compliant at the time of their assessment. So most companies are achieving PCI compliance. I would say that 80 to 90% of the company are achieving PCI DSS compliance. The challenge we see and the way we measure that is maintaining compliance. And this number you just uh, described and uh, asked for, uh, in fact, more, more, more detail, it's maintaining full compliance during the entire year. And we see, uh, we see a drop, definitely. It's, uh, it's currently at 36.7% worldwide. It's, uh, it's a significant drop since, uh, since last year. And uh, it, it's a drop because keeping compliance uh, during the entire year is, uh, is definitely a challenge for most companies. Why is that? Uh, I believe that still because a lot of companies manage PCI as a project with a beginning and a hand. They, they want to be compliant. They want to pass the assessment. Once the assessment is over, uh, it's not as tightened as uh, it used to be when, uh, when, when you prepare for the assessment and uh, it's not part of the ongoing monitoring that should, be, uh, that should be in place. To try to understand better why this drop, we ask uh, a lot of companies what they think and what are interesting facts regarding uh, their, their compliance and the way they measure compliance during the entire year. And we found out that only 18% of the company, they measure the PCI DSS control more frequently that is required in the PCI DSS standard. And I guess a mistake that can be made uh, quite often is that PCI DSS, it's not, uh, it's not the ultimate goal. It's not, uh, it's not the ceiling. It should be considered as a floor. So when you have to run some security measures, and uh, in fact, we provided the detailed report on page 79 and 80, uh, what we call the PCI DSS compliance calendar to, uh, to help companies identifying what they have to do uh, on a daily, weekly, quarterly, annually, and so on basis. Uh, we, we believe that the bare minimum uh, that is required for compliance is often not enough to, uh, to, to mitigate the risk. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.